0: SEE- you.
1: Everyone, hi, hello, it is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with Charles Rogers and Sarah Violet Bliss, the creators of the hit TBS show Search Party, which my listeners know I'm kind of obsessed with. I had John Early on the show a couple weeks ago, um, so I want to get into all sorts of stuff with you guys, and I've been trying to figure out how do we talk about it without spoilers. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking at the beginning we there are no spoilers so I can say to people who haven't listened there won't be spoilers Mm -hmm. and we'll sort of talk about biographical sort of like more general stuff Um, and then later on do a fun segment which I will explain and then after that maybe get into the discussion that involves spoiling stuff. Okay, cool. Um <laughs> all right.
2: Organized
0: spoilers.
1: <laughs> yeah, so now I've mapped out everything. <laughs> um and also I wanna I quickly at the top say I'm going to be at San Francisco Sketchfest on January 13th doing my show live. My guests are Janine Garofalo and just added musical guest Matt Nathanson. That's January 13th at the Gateway Theater. Go to sfsketchfest.com to get tickets. Okay, so it's very exciting having you guys on the show. Um, you're young. I, I did some Googling. You're young. You're so young to have accomplished Extremely. so much. <laughs>
2: I don't know. Every day goes by.
1: He's younger than I
2: am. I know, but neither <laughs> neither of us are very young anymore. So.
1: Well, do you not feel young?
2: Um, it, Sometimes. Because you're 30, right? I'm 30. That feels, I mean, that sounds young That's young, young
1: to, to me. some, not young yeah. to others. So. That's, it's kind of always that way unless you're one. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. And you guys met at uh, NYU, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where yes. are you from originally before that? I'm from I'm from New York. I'm from Brooklyn.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm from
1: Texas mostly. Gotcha. So how are you liking LA? I love LA. Yeah, I love
3: LA too, which is not something that I thought i would as a new yorker like everyone i remember people would be like would you ever move to la i'm like please um, and now i'm like i would never go back to new york it's so assaulting <laughs> but we're Impossible. changed to
2: new york for half the years so.
0: yeah
1: so <laughs> we, we, thought we we lived moved. in both yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i'm trying to figure out how to explain the show to I think increasingly there's not this need to explain it because I, it's it's become a hit and I think more and more people know about it. But to the people who don't know about it, I'm trying to figure out how to explain what is so unusual and special about it. Yeah, yeah it's hard because like season one is different from season two, so mm-hmm. it's like the premise of the show in the
3: first season is this. Yeah, and then in the second season, I just
2: re-explain the first season over <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. over. And I'm like, and if you don't
1: know, I don't know. Yeah <laughs> but how how would you explain the first season?
3: Um, it's a mystery comedy about a bunch of friends who go looking for their friend from college that went missing. Um, and, uh, (laughs) the end of season two launch a season one launches you into (laughs) season two, which is a whole different genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Was the darkness intended from the beginning?
2: I think so. I mean, I don't think in a super deliberate way, but I feel like the, I mean, (laughs) I don't know what's our spoilers to you and i feel very aware of like what spoilers right <laughs> now uh, I, i've seen
1: all of season two well so but um, we, we
2: we have been just saying in in press and stuff that like season one ends with um someone dying so like that okay is, that's just sort of like it's hard to avoid saying that so right um so but I, we haven't
1: said who dies no so, we haven't said who right. it could
2: be the it could be you the viewer who knows <laughs> um so we like the i, I think we always wanted something of that level to happen mm-hmm. in the first season. So we knew that there was going to be some darkness.
3: Yeah. I mean, there was definitely discussion of like, how, how do we keep this funny when it get what, once it gets to this insane place, like that was a worry of everyone's, if, if someone dies, then how are like, what makes this funny at all? And it, with both seasons, when we were writing, um, we write the plot out first and that that part's not funny. Um, and it's just, um, uh, you just are thinking, well, eventually there will be jokes in here and the characters will carry it in the way that they do. Um,
1: and you just kind of have to have faith in that. Mm-hmm. It's such an unusual blending of genres and has such a, um, like a specific uh, strong tone. Were you f- ha- what how intentional was that were you fans of other things like that are there other things that are like that to you guys yeah there
3: are a lot of stuff i mean like coen brothers is kind of the closest um in in matching tone Mm -hmm. um and um we also love just like mystery comedies um that's always that was like we talked about those a lot and um where are you on the clue movie
0: I love Clue. He loves Clue. (laughs) But I I grew up with Clue. I don't don't love
3: Clue. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen it. It's not
2: the same when you watch it now. (laughs) (laughs) But I still remember why I loved it.
1: (laughs) Did you ever read The Westing Game? No.
2: What's that?
1: It's a like p- children's or preteen book um, where at the be- there's all these uh, inhabitants of an apartment building and someone dies at the beginning and leaves a letter and says, if you can figure out like such and such mystery, then you will get the inheritance. Oh. And so it's like a real fun like puzzle book. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I-, I also don't know if that holds up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I would
2: read it. Sounds good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I do feel like with tone though, like you can't, I, I we because we get asked about it a lot, and I feel like it's just nothing you can engineer. Like, mm-hmm. I, it definitely is. Like, we don't set out being like, okay, it's this is the roadmap for like the tone of this show. It kind of just comes together. And in the first season, it was sort of like we're just finding it as we write it, and it is really just about the combined sensibilities of us two and the uh, other people, and a handful of other cast and writers, and and producers, and so like in season two we started to be like that doesn't feel search party like we were mm-hmm. able to like say that
1: so what what would be with if there's a way to talk about it without spoiling what would be an example of something that doesn't feel search party
3: like a scene between like just a straightforward um scene between an investigator and a and a and like a suspect or something like Like it has to there has to be yeah it can't be procedurally it has to have some weirdness on it (laughs) basically that that makes it um uh, either the context of where they are or like the characters that are yeah not there's not typical of what you would see
2: there's also a lost episode, which we haven't talked about publicly with Dory going home to her family for oh, this yeah. season that never – we wrote a draft. It's really hard. We always try to do like bottle episodes, mm-hmm. but the, like the plot advancing ends up being so important that we can't like – it's it's kind of – so you can't just have an episode where it's like – and then they just, you know, enjoy their day and we just <laughs> see them be them and it's like, oh, no, that, that, at the end of the day, then the, something has to happen. um, And like writing an episode where Dory goes home to her family – Story really, is the main, the protagonist. Uh, yeah, yeah. shot cat It's really hard to. It was really hard to figure out. Like, well, what's the search party version of that? Because every like every, any moment that's like, okay, sentimental talk between her mom and her. It was like, okay, um, this feels like an indie movie. Yeah, <laughs> it, was like really, it was really hard to like get that. So right. it wasn't right.
1: <laughs> and when you say that you always try to write a bottle episode, why?
2: Um, they just seem. Cool, and it just is an it's an opportunity to explore aspects of a character that you only get to see certain sides of, um, and they're really fun. They're fun to write. Mm-hmm. We have a few bottle episodes per season, but like we did want to make one that was just Drew John mm-hmm. Reynolds' character, the boyfriend, but we needed to advance the plot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't realize this until I was watching an interview with you guys earlier. I, I knew that the show. Uh, the the other creator with you guys is, <clears throat> excuse me, Michael Showalter. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize he was your professor at NYU. Yeah. That's so cool. How did you guys start working together?
3: Um, we had made our our um, thesis film, Fort
1: Tilden. Oh, um, I did not know that was your thesis film. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Quiet, s- quietly our
0: thesis <laughs> film. Quietly
3: our thesis. Um, and um, we had sent it to Michael because we were just like hey like would you give us notes with we're almost done with this cut and he, what was he a professor of he was a screenwriting professor our first year he taught our first year class which was the mos class which is where you make a, a four minute movie that has no dialogue mm-hmm. um and which is like funny to think of Showalter teaching a non dialogue class. <laughs> right. But, I know. <laughs> um, it makes
2: sense though. Yeah. yeah. No, he is <laughs> all about symbols yeah. and stuff.
1: Right, he majored in semiotics. <laughs> yes. Yes. <it> was,
0: that's <laughs> the most semiotic form as <laughs> a silent film. Yeah.
3: Um, uh, and so we had just had him a few years ago, but we had both stayed in touch with him because we like enjoyed his, um, guidance and then um we sent him fort tilden and he loved it and then after we we um had uh, like premiered it at south by southwest we took a trip to la for generals and michael had moved to la at that point and we met up with him and we were all talking and we're like we should all work together and it was um Michael suggesting that was like, yes, I know, I know. <laughs> of course. Um, um, we'll think about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that's where it all began. So, at Lemonade, at Lemonade, in Studio City, <laughs> Michael's favorite
2: restaurant.
1: <laughs> Did, was it, were you in a graduate program or was that yeah, your undergrad? It was grad. So, when you're in a graduate program, is your professor still exalted and if so is that weird being working with him or is it more like he's your peer
2: it's still i mean uh, now it just feels like uncle michael um <laughs> I, it it felt like michael show walter for a very long time but now and i mean this in the most loving way now it's just like oh michael like <laughs> it's like beforehand it was like um let michael do that now it's like michael come on like, and i mean that in the sense that he's a big character and mm-hmm. whatever I'm, i love him um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think your teachers at grad film school are also, like, half of them are famous. It'll be, like, Todd Salance and Spike Lee. And then the other half are, like, super niche. Um, I, w- I don't want to say the wrong thing on this podcast. But, like, <laughs> there, there's just, like, a handful of, like, extremely New York filmmakers that like when you first walk in the doors you're like these are gods and then like three years later you're like wait what movies did they make Um, should I not say that (laughs) I I think that's fine you didn't say anything I should probably edit that out Um, I don't know (laughs) I've had too much coffee Um, but Michael was an example of somebody that SV and I were both like oh my god Michael Showalter teaches here have to take that class
1: and you guys also wrote on Wet Hot American Summer right yeah yes It was fun. (laughs) Yeah, it was very fun. There's something that happens in season two that reminded me of Wet Hot, which was, it was probably like the most absurd, the, Mm. I I think I can say this because I don't think it's giving away anything, the tree, the pine tree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That almost felt like an allusion to Wet Hot. That's
2: probably, yeah.
1: It was the brainchild of someone
3: else who was also a writer on Wet Hot.
2: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> With a particular Anthony King, has yeah, we we'll just, yeah, we can say Anthony <laughs> Yeah, right I don't know. Um, he he's a yeah. He has that like very sketch sensibility too. So, mm. so <laughs> for, that's whatever, for some there.
3: reason, we we had left the room, I think to interview someone or something, and the writers were like thinking some stuff up while we were. And when the, we came back, everyone was like, "Anthony, pitch your idea." <laughs> like, he like got up and paced yeah. nervously. Was like, okay,
1: so <laughs> century fucker. i think we can say what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. I that. mean, it's just comic relief. Yeah. So it's there's a character who has. Sex with a tree that has, like, he's made a face on the tree. Yeah. And it's his wife.
2: It's his wife. (laughs) Yes. It's just Pine Tree, his wife. Pine Tree, his
1: wife. And it's not a Pine Tree.
2: (laughs) No, not at all.
1: (laughs) You're right. (laughs) It's almost like he's delusional.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Almost.
1: So, in the interview that I watched with you guys earlier, you were saying... Uh, the interviewer was asking you about the casting process. And I know that um, John Reynolds came in and, and auditioned, but mm-hmm. everyone else was kind of someone that you had, were writing specifically for, is that? Or no, I guess Meredith, was she an audition? No, Mer- Meredith auditioned, but we had also seen her in
3: um, the movie Hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and Charles had been like, I think you would really like this girl. Um, and so we had definitely had her in mind to audition. Um and yeah, John Reynolds, we was like, um, just, we didn't even see him in person. We saw no. him, we saw a tape of his. Um, and uh, he came highly recommended by someone. <laughs> I don't remember who. Um, the American But they were like, this guy. And we were like, okay,
1: awesome. And then he was amazing. Yeah. Well, so what I wanted to ask is you were saying that um, as you got to know each of them, you started yeah. writing more to each actor's strengths. Yes. Mm-hmm. W- of the main four, what would you say are their strengths? Mm. Oh, my God.
2: Um, you mean who's the strongest? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Who do you like the best is really what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, well, I, I've been saying lately that something I realized about Alia is that she's got this quality that I feel like people are like, I'm an Alia shot cat. But then, like... Allie's crazy. And like so like at f- first you think she's like this like very relatable like girl that you identify with and then and then you realize she's got like a well of mania and mm-hmm. darkness in her. And um and yeah, I mean she's just like such a strong actor. It's insane. Um
3: Yeah, she has like she's the she's like the actor when you put the camera on her, you're like, "Oh, that's what she's doing." Like like yeah. when you you are rehearsing you don't see it as much as when the camera is on and it's just mm-hmm. like all this internal stuff coming to the surface that's so deep and beautiful <laughs> um and complicated um and her sense of humor is so is really like the most kind of grounded and mm-hmm. sub, subdued I guess and It's more nuanced. Nuanced, yeah. That that like she she can find the joke in something that that I don't think necessarily every other actor. It's not the most obvious joke. She can right. she can find the like the the like um, quiet kind of awkwardness of the joke.
2: Yeah, and she's also like a machine, like in terms of like being able to do so many. Like the genre aspect of the show really rests on the fact that she's like technically able to push herself to so many different like ranges it's really yeah i really feel like, i mean i that's a testament to her being like a a born amazing actor but it's also like um i think like she taught herself that too oh, <laughs> you know? totally um, she
3: has like she also just has all her scenes have like there's a million things going on at once like she's play play she's always acting like she's okay when something else when it's not okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and she just has like so many things that she's juggling in her mind and that's like
2: meredith um is i would say her strength her strength is her sunshine yeah energy yeah (laughs) um more than anything i mean like she but also like uh other people have said this more like i hadn't thought about it until other until i read it over and over but like she has such a fresh take on a type Mm -hmm. and it really is like she does like fall in that league of like goldie and right and like meg ryan and like all those like super sparkly uh blondes blondes with blue (laughs) eyes blondes with powerful sparkle blondes (sighs) um but she is so weird too and like her sensibility and energy is like incredible she's also an amazingly gifted they're all great actors and
3: they're Um, they're all they all take their characters so seriously i mean like they really love their characters and a way and like embody them in 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 a like and then i feel like like i would feel like i'm like now just thinking of meredith like mm -hmm. when she she was like i'd be like oh i'm like i'm sorry i'm dramatic you know (laughs) like and she really like feels that like in the moment that she feels portia would be feeling like that and and she brings a lot of herself to portia Mm -hmm. as well um but has like with the ability to like with with the observer you know (laughs) like the the higher self is is there
0: right yeah
2: i think john early's strength is like fearlessness um because i think he has like like such an obvious like the obvious thing would be like he's so funny but like that is because he ha- like i think somewhere in his life chose to abandon feeling afraid to make really big choices mm. and like it's really spectacular <laughs> to like know somebody like that um he's also so so, impressive.
3: so good at like if he improves the improv always serves the scene whereas like you know there are other actors in the world that the improv will just derail and go into Mm -hmm. this whole, it's like, but he can really focus his, the, the, um, his, his own, his like in the moment spontaneity to something that's going to actually work for what we're doing. Mm
1: -hmm. I was really struck by what a good actor he, I mean, they're all amazing. Um, but as you were talking, it just, the scene popped into my head where, and again, I'm going to have to speak around it. So I'm not (laughs) spoiling. Um, he makes sort of a desperate romantic gesture. Uh
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: it's this manic, funny moment, but the sincerity of that, like he has tears. I I think he had tears in his eyes. Maybe I had tears. (laughs) I don't know. But it's, it's, you really feel his heart yeah like yeah there. yeah in what could be a over-the-top silly totally. kind of thing
2: he reminds me of like jim carrey or robin williams or like really like the greatest like comedic actors that bring like a well of emotion to mm-hmm. everything they do too it's really cool yeah and then john, john reynolds, reynolds i think
1: his Heart strength <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'd say like his soulfulness um is he he
1: really grew on me over the course of season one. Yeah. I yeah. think that's what everyone says. Probably, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, and it, yeah, but he's also the least like his character. Um, cause in real life he's extremely goofy, like a rubber bandy, um, also kind of a Jim Carrey type. Um, like he's just really goofy. Like his
1: face is rubber bandy.
2: Yeah. And his body and like, mm-hmm. he's just always joking. And, but he also has like a real, um, loneliness and sadness to him, which makes him so, um, like
3: classic,
1: yeah, classic <laughs> yeah. he's
3: like he's he also is so he's so kind and so like sweet, um, and he um he like and it's so funny it, it, like for his character is like kind of the most upsetting to me because he could have had just like the best simplest life mm-hmm. and he would have loved that he would have just everything would have gone very well and easy and he um he wasn't supposed to yeah Keep but that down. was not his destiny <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's bringing out the dark side in him um but he he just is so naturally plays to this like he feels so comforting he's a very comforting presence and um Mm -hmm. uh um his his like his jokes are very inclusive if that makes sense like he's very Mm -hmm. very generous with his
0: um he's a really intimate clownism
3: (laughs) (laughs)
1: um i want to ask because uh, I know Fort Tilden also deals with sort of awful self-obsessed <laughs> millennials. So I want to ask your thoughts on that. But first, I need to tell you guys... uh Perhaps the best place to binge watch search party would be on your Casper mattress. Support for Alison Rosen as your new best friend comes from Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. You guys are probably familiar with Casper at this point. They revolutionized the whole mattress industry because mattresses have historically been marked up so much and that thing where you go to the mattress store and you try out a bunch does not correlate to how satisfied you'll be with your mattress. So Casper's Come along, they cut out the middleman, they sell directly to the consumer. You order it online. It arrives in a a big box, which is big but still small. Like you when when I got mine, I looked at it and I was like, how's our whole bed in there? But then you open it, uh, and then the bed unfurls, and then you're like, I should have been sleeping on this adult mattress for years because you'll sleep so well. Uh at Casper, mattresses are perfectly designed for humans, engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. You spend one-third of your life sleeping. I would like to spend more. So you should be comfortable. Uh, mattresses are designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S., and no hassle returns if you're not completely satisfied. Free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash BFF and using promo code BFF at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That's casper.com slash BFF and promo code BFF for $50 uh, off any mattress or toward any mattress purchase okay yes so um i'm actually going to augment my question that i asked before which is do you like the these people these characters because you put them through hell and also Hmm. there's like plenty of things they do which are objectionable
2: yeah i love them yeah (laughs) I like them, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, for
3: Tilden, we're a little less, like, um, compassionate, I guess, or seemingly compassionate to our characters, even though I still, like, I I didn't even think to not like them until everyone else hated
0: them. I think
2: think we've put Search Party through more hell
3: <laughs> well yes but <laughs> Actually, a, a judgment yeah, of, uh-huh. of the search <laughs> <no, no, laughs> <third> party characters <laughs> definitely have gone through worse <laughs> shit um but They're basically
2: just setting boxes of barbies on fire
0: <laughs> <with> their <laughs> imagination
3: yeah. um but they the fort Tilden characters had um like they because they hadn't gone through actually as much <laughs> like mm. their selfishness was more more um clear um and I, we have always loved them and not in a like i i wouldn't exactly want to spend my day with harper but um or Allie to be honest but um <laughs> but they we think that they are young and um and uh have denials that a lot of people in when they're in their young 20s deal with and like it, it, they're they're more transparent than they realize and mm. it, like it, things that we would see in people that we know you know <laughs> um, and love dearly um, but are flawed and so we we kind of like like making fun of that st- that transparency
1: were you guys like that at all
3: there were definitely like i don't think we're that Um, that obviously, like whatever. But I mean, I, I definitely, I literally, actually, just like what tried to go to Fort Tilden with Claire Mcnulty, who plays Ali and Chantal on Mm -hmm. Search Party, and we failed, and like, like, and we were thirty. What happened? We got we tried to go (laughs) on um the A train. You can take the A train and then walk for a while once you get. Um, into the Rockaways um, and then the A train shut like halfway halfway there they were like this a- this train shutting down because of a police investigation sorry mm-hmm. and then like a bunch of like women trying to get to the beach got <laughs> the train and started asking each other how to get to the beach and we were like we don't know like this was our <laughs> plan we don't have bikes we don't have a car like should we uber but then we were like but if we uber will we be able to uber back are there ubers don't. in the raf in, in the rockaways and we just <laughs> so like, like we were like i feel like horrible that we are about to give up on this because we literally made a movie and then we're like i don't i don't want to figure out how to fucking get there i want to go home it's so, like we, we're like should we go to like central park <laughs> because we're like we're, and then we ended up not even going to central or prospect park we're like let's go to brooklyn bridge park it's like easy the easiest thing <laughs> And then, and then we got back on the subway to go back home and it stopped in the middle of the train and there Uh, was a crazy person uh, in the, in the train. And he was like, one of the scarier ones that I've seen in a long time. And he was like, I got a gun and I'm going to shoot you and blah, 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 blah. And like, it was, it's like, so not okay to talk, to like be crazy about guns today. Your last day on earth. Yes. I was like, (laughs) I'm going to die having tried to go to Fort Tilden. (laughs) And that's have to just what's that gonna, gonna and happen. Forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this is um, so. Yeah, she died. She, on died. The way there. Um, <laughs> she died there. She died. But what we, happened with the crazy guy? Oh my god, we were stuck. He just was going crazy for so. We were stuck the, in
0: the. Is in Claire the still with him?
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, nothing happened other than it, like the second we finally got to a station, we. Tra- changed cars because mm-hmm. i was like i don't want to be on the train with that guy because he really was like who, who knows what he was gonna do he was he was like violently slamming things and i was just like
1: please. was everyone just ignoring him yeah
3: yeah and I, that was the best thing to just like please no one engage no one engage yeah
2: <laughs> i guess like the, the yeah thing what I were do, we talking about <laughs> like <laughs> relating to yeah. those characters like I just moved um, apartments, and the moving service—it's uh, so fucked. But they—I don't. Can you say? Yes. It? Okay. No. <laughs> um, they somehow—they moved all of our plants. Except for my cactus. And then at the new apartment, I hadn't gone back to the old apartment. And the, at the new apartment the guy was like, um, so just so you know, like the cactus is back at the old place. Like we didn't want to move that because like we didn't want to damage it. So you're gonna have to figure that out, but we moved all your other plants and we're like, Okay, cool. Then I go back to my old apartment and all of the heads of the cactus were chopped off what? and buried in the gravel so that I wouldn't like notice. Which <gasps> it was so obvious. What? And this is also like <laughs> It's a $250 cactus, like a super expensive cactus, and a gift from my father.
1: Oh, um, how big is it?
2: It's like a five foot tall cat. It's a cool, one of those cool cactuses you can have but, in your home. Yeah, and I
1: didn't know this.
2: I know, I, I don't know, I guess moving was a lot. <laughs> and, uh, and so I emailed... <clears throat> the moving place and i called them and i was like it was just really like it felt very sketchy to be i was just like very honest about the situation i was like they obviously like lied to me didn't want to tell me that like they had broken up the cactus and then and and i apparently signed a contract <laughs> that said that um they are they're not supposed to move plants and that's okay but the fact that they had moved all my plants except for the, they obviously tried to move it, broke right. it in a million ways. And then we're like, oh, I don't know, leave it. And then we're just like, um, that's back at your house by. And so, <laughs> um, like, I, so like, and the guy was like, that sucks. And I was like, you know, I, I want to be reimbursed for that. Um, and he was like, okay, cool. Send me pictures. Um, But he was also like kind of defensive too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we left in a way that he's like, I'll probably reimburse you and, like, I still haven't sent the pictures just because, like, the confrontation of that call made me be like, you know what? Fuck it. Never mind. Never mind. And, like, I do feel like there's a part of me that, like, wants to call and be like, I am entitled to a refund. And then like, here's the number. And I'm like, no, it's okay.
0: Like, <laughs> I, do, I do feel like that's, like,
2: definitely in Fort Tilden is being like, yeah. excuse me. Oh, yeah. It's too much. Yeah. Like, oh.
1: Did you guys always intend to have a writing partner? No. No. <laughs> I mean, it really just happened... In the most natural, <laughs> <laughs>
0: organic, way. organic
3: way possible, we were we had like weirdly for like a year been working on our own stuff together as friends, like at the library, just be like, "You want to go to the library today?" Um, <laughs> and then uh, organically started talking about a web series idea. Um, which then organically <laughs> start like one of the episodes ideas was about these two girls who go to Fort Tilden. And as we were talking about that idea, we had more and more ideas that would be bigger than an episode. And we were, were like, this could just be a feature and it would be, you know, relatively easy. I'm using air quotes, um, <laughs> to shoot. Cause it basically all takes place in one day. There's not many costume changes, all these things that like limitations that mm-hmm. you would have when you are making a first feature and you have no money. Um, and uh and we just like that day, and we had only even like with the web series, we barely even like talked about actually doing it, like we were just mm-hmm. like, this would be cool, like blah, blah blah, and then and then that day we were like, we're doing this by the end of the summer, um, and we did, which was mm-hmm. it was crazy, <laughs> it was so crazy my uh
0: my friend and now we're bound for life, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank
3: God, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my
2: my friend Justin was he's a musician in, in in Austin and he said something interesting to me that about that I had never thought of exactly in this way but he said that in the past he tried to collaborate with people like just jumping straight into a project with somebody he had like good vibes about and being like oh we'll collaborate and then it never pans out mm-hmm. and he was like what I realized in this new collaboration that he's doing is that like he and his friend Will took on like a small project naturally and figured out they were good collaborators and now want to do more stuff together. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like that's, like, we weren't thinking of it as, like, going to collaborate now. And I think that's, like, a weird thing people mistakenly do sometimes is be like, "Who should I collaborate with?" And like it the the formalness of that decision makes it impossible or something. It's like it has to happen uh, almost unintentionally.
0: Yeah, it's
3: mm-hmm. weird. Now I'm, I'm thinking about any time that someone's been like, "Would you want to do this with yeah, me?" I'm like,
1: like, "Yeah," and then it's like it's not working.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or it's like pressure and confusing yeah. and
1: yeah, yeah, pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. except for michael showalter saying do you guys want to work on something Oh, that's, oh, a,
2: yeah. that's pressure
1: <laughs> that was a lot of pressure so. what's he like as a professor
2: the same as a person really i mean he's so brilliant he's a he's a genius a form of genius for sure
3: he's a great like and his genius lends itself very well to teaching um because yeah. he is just like an encyclopedia of structure and genre and mm. and tropes and um has a good like essentially like a math brain for like why if this happens and then this happens then that can't happen it has to be this you know like that sort of yeah thing that's really helpful when you're learning and trying to figure out how to um make a story make sense
2: (laughs) yeah and in business too like he's very good at managing uh navigating uncomfortable decisions and like social scenarios that you have to do with business where you have to just be very like upfront with people and it's like a tender conversation he's very good at like abandoning all of the like self-censoring um like shame or fear or whatever anxiety and just being like this is what it is let's talk about it at face value and it's like oh that's such a good lesson. like abandoning
1: the people-pleasing aspect it's still like comfort- it's still very c- compassionate it's com- yeah it's like
2: comforting it's like it's more just like let's let's sidestep awkwardness and because we know this is the conversation
1: are you talking about like in business discussions you have you would have in the entertainment industry yes or but like also like, like with students uh, with students too it oh,
3: oh, also right. be yeah, like true. be like um what what like like he's just good at being like well what is it that you what is it that this needs mm-hmm. like and getting to, getting to the getting heart right of something to, yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: Well, here's a huge question what were each of your childhoods like <laughs> well um i'm complicated i
2: uncomplicated, un- uncomplicated. <laughs> i get that vibe
3: <laughs> um gosh uh, where to begin <laughs> um i my, i mean i grew up in new york city which also everyone and who like is not from new york they're like what was that like And I'm like, i'm like it's felt normal to me mm-hmm. um but um I particularly Brooklyn Heights which is a kind of um quaint gossipy little neighborhood <laughs> um, um which oh god what's that movie that people didn't really like it but um it's based on a play with um it had Jodie Foster and um oh god what was it called whatever the point is like it was to- oh
2: god of carnage yes yeah
3: and it all took place in an apartment that was oh, like- i saw
1: that on in a in the theater
2: yeah did
3: not enjoy it that much it's it- i loved
2: the play i will. Say I have
3: that. i didn't see the play the movie is like not <laughs> but it's polanski yeah. Weirdly. Right. It's the two couples. and yes. they like frock us me. at the yes. his school. Yeah. It's so Brooklyn Heights. Yeah. <laughs> like, like everything I so. about it, the apartment, the way that like, it, so like the movie was only, I, I was like, this is clearly not like a great movie, but it's very enjoyable to me <laughs> because it's such a like Brooklyn Heights parents, like conversation mm-hmm. in a very Brooklyn Heights apartment with like, oh, the, the maid didn't put the <laughs> ice trays the- correctly again or like whatever. Um, uh we didn't have a maid and i don't think that we would ever no one in brooklyn heights would call their maids the, uh, their maid they would call them lucia or <laughs> whatever um but, everyone
2: called them the maid in my town really yeah. oh my
3: gosh oh, wow <laughs> um uh and um uh i went to a a private school um so i was very like taken care of my family was not like wealthy but i had so much wealth around me Mm -hmm. um and um i yeah i don't know do you have (laughs) siblings i do i have an older brother um our dad passed away when i was two that was a big deal in my childhood i guess (laughs) yeah do you have any memories of him no um i have some I have um, home videos, but he's usually behind the camera. Mm -hmm. Just like me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, so I don't have memories of him. How'd he die? He had a brain tumor, um, which was uh, caused by effects of Agent Orange because he was a
1: vet. Wow. Um, So yeah, he had those symptoms. (laughs) (laughs) Do you... Well... I was gonna say, do you feel like a pall was cast over your childhood, but you don't know any different?
3: Yeah, I didn't. I that you know, it's so funny because like I just was home for um, Thanksgiving, and my my mom was like, every time we cross the street in Brooklyn Heights, she she's like, do you remember when I accidentally (laughs) left you? (laughs) She like she like I was three, and she she like let go of my hand and crossed the street. And and she it, it's like obviously something that really plagues her mm-hmm. and and she and like like realized what she had done and like turned around and got me and I, I vaguely remember it but just kind of being like huh and then like <laughs> eventually my mom came back but um she's she's always like do you remember when I left you <laughs> <laughs> and she was like I was just in a daze because like your father had died and I like that whole time I just was like so foggy and I was like to me like I didn't really pick up on that at the time mm-hmm. and then now as an adult i'm like oh how sad for like my mom just had such a how hard that must have been the whole time and then um uh i didn't really like process how huge it was that my father died until like much later and like and and understanding like what that means with my relationship with men and stuff like that um and uh but it i didn't feel like i was too i definitely like actually my first memories were of me being like childhood depression but i don't but it was like not I didn't know that, you know, like Mm. I just would never eat my cookie. And I, and like, I, when I like remember that, I remember just being like, I was sad. I don't like, I, and I, and I still, when I'm sad today, I can't eat, you know, like I have, I have like whatever, but, but aside from that, I mostly, it was like, no, everything was like I didn't think about it that much. Mm-hmm. But since you asked me and then I just thought about all the sad things. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: <laughs> sad. Sad,
1: sad. <sighs> Did you realize early that you wanted to get into movie making? I didn't realize until well, I had
3: always loved movies and TV. I al and I always loved writing. Um and what was accessible to me through school was mostly like playwriting. They did actually have a film class in my school, but I didn't, in my high school, but I didn't take it. Um, I don't know. It didn't seem, it it was like writing, particularly starting out, like playwriting was way more like the film class was more like, you know, technical stuff and the playwriting class was writing. And um, I had always really loved writing and took, took, um, to that pretty quickly, and then um I went to college and I majored in creative writing and theater, and then I went to Oberlin right yes, um and then after oberlin i went i like was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and um realized I was like i don't actually love like i didn't feel right to try to act i like went on like a couple auditions and immediately was like, no <laughs> this, mm-hmm. this sucks um and then um, I, I, but I, I still loved acting and whatever, but I, I then, um, uh, was like trying to figure out what I wanted to, I didn't want to go to acting school and I didn't want to go to playwriting. It just didn't feel right. And then I was like, I, what I really do love is film and TV. Oh, they have film school. I'll go to, f- I'll try to go to film school. Cause that was the only way that I could see getting a foot in the door. Um, and then I got in and that, that to me was like, honestly, I feel like th- whenever <laughs> if people are ever like, what was your big break? I'm like, getting into film school was my big break. <laughs> like, I didn't yeah, I would agree, have so. any, like, I wouldn't, without film school, I wouldn't know anyone that I know. I wouldn't know, like, have had access or un- learned anything about filming. Uh, and yeah, so that's when I wanted to like that it was like it was always in me but it only when i had the like oh i could i could do it then did it become a thing because i Mm -hmm. it just was like oh that's out of reach
1: charles i would like to know what huge upsetting event happened (laughs) in your childhood to Uh. make you who you are but first i want to well first do you guys have Uh. any pets
2: yeah i do i have a dog
1: could I recommend to you something called Whistle, which is a GPS tracker? Um, it's a device that attaches to your pet's collar and allows you to track their location and activity from an app on your phone. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again, so just get ready. Uh My dog, Wendy, is a shy dog, and our dog trainer, Laura London, who has been a guest on the show, Uh early on told me you should get a GPS tracker for her, especially because she's shy, because if somehow she gets out of your apartment and then someone sees her on the street and tries to collect her, she might dart. Um, so I knew, so for a while I've, I've Known that she should have a GPS tracker, but it's just really good to have for any pet. Just it gives you peace of mind. Um, so when I first got the whistle, I thought, okay, the GPS tracker is the part of it that I definitely want. And it also has this activity monitor. I don't know how much use I'm really going to have for that, but it turns out that that's super cool. And it might be one of my favorite features because you can use it, um, like you enter the age and the weight and the breed, and then you can set activity goals. In the same way that you might be really OCD about how many steps you get in, now you can be that way about your pet. Um And you can look at it and you can see if your pet met their activity goal, how many minutes they were active, like at what times of the day they were active or resting. It's It's... If you're obsessed with your pet, it's really cool. Uh, whistle is super lightweight. It weighs less than an ounce, waterproof, and has a rechargeable battery that lasts up to 10 days. Whistle brings peace of mind to pet owners across the nation. For a limited time, all my listeners can get $25 off a Whistle device when you use my code Allison. So go to Whistle.com right now and use code Allison at checkout. Visit Whistle.com today. Whistle, the smarter way to care for your best friend. Okay, Charles, it's your turn. <laughs>
2: uh i i'm an only child um and we moved around quite a bit my my parents are my dad's a, an alternative cancer specialist mm-hmm. so he's like a homeopathic doctor he got his license in mexico they're kind of like hippies who liked um they lived like everywhere they lived in like haiti and um belize and and um and so like mexico was like a big part of my childhood so i grew up on the border of south texas um brownsville which is like the very bottom tip of texas and then also in acapulco mexico and um i was like the only white kid or one of the only white kids and everyone else was hispanic and um the politics of that small town are surreal and backwards and dark and in high school like in terms of racism no, in terms of like drug trafficking oh. and um, like illegal immigrants, um, not that, that 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 in and of itself is not dark, but just in terms of like the quality of life mm-hmm. and the cost of living. The cost of living is so low in that town that it's very easy to be rich, and it's so it's like this animal farm mm-hmm. place where like my high school was like the one private school it was a Catholic school, which was like the. Socio cultural epicenter of Brownsville. And so, like, every rich person was like a part of that. It was like the club for that. Um, mm-hmm. and but like psychotic to b- believe that you are a Kardashian in a <laughs> land of, of the poorest shanty towns in the in America. <laughs> and so, like, everyone was like so delusional and bizarre. And, um, it was so fun. I really loved my, I think, like, talking about depression and stuff, like, I th- like growing up in that closet too, like, I didn't. I was so dissociatively detached from my own like sense of like shame and uh like (laughs) how unrealized I was as a person and like I've always had like a fun spirit and loved and loved being creative and that was has always been like my driving thing in life is being creative um and so like my childhood was very creative but I don't think back on um like at the time, I was just so not aware of like the fact that I was like in pain for like hiding who I was or like, you know, like, I Were mean, you that's, hiding
1: it from yourself.
2: Um Yeah, but you know, like denial is so complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, Like you are and you aren't Um like you'll come in and out of like acknowledging it and then being like, but that doesn't exist. And actually, you have to just continue to hide. Um But those things also are beautiful in a sense because they're ammunition for later in life because you like I feel like I'm very adaptable because I had to be my whole life and so the skill set you end up cultivating like a strong skill set about how to navigate people um who to distrust mm. um like I just came from this I went to Esselin um
1: mm. Oh, it's so pretty. It's
2: amazing. It's so incredible. And it's like a hippie retreat in Big Sur basically. And um I don't want to talk sh- shade about eslin because it was such an it, they're huge it. listeners so Are they,
1: <laughs> they love this po- <laughs> i really do, I don't know you
2: can tell me i'd be like oh okay never mind um uh, they uh they like there was I, I, I took a class whatever there was a person with an occult of personality um who people worshipped and the moment i met him i was like no and like at, towards the end of it then i saw like other people my boyfriend came with me and like he find at first he was like don't like be have an open mind like we're here to be like non-judgmental but then like by the end of it like he was like oh i see what you mean and (laughs) like i i just feel like i with like people to distrust i feel like i have like a very sensitive barometer of immediately being like no because you have to operate like on i mean not everyone does because a lot of people are basic (laughs) But like it does, I don't think like just being in the closet gives everyone like super sensitive hearing or something. But like mm-hmm. I just feel like I you have to operate on such a f- wavelength to navigate, um, staying a step ahead of people that like you end up cultivating some things that I think are good and rich in a way, and it's not all whatever.
1: And do you always trust oh your... My oh, <laughs> really dog, cute dog. Totally. <laughs> Sorry. Dog.
2: This is Whistle's Hi. brand. Um, Ab- Ambassador. More, more this Adv- is yeah. Wendy.
1: Um, do you always trust your gut instinct about someone? Because I will often have that reaction. And then I... And this is like something that I have been trying for years to undo in therapy. I'll have a strong negative reaction or like a stay away thing. But then I'm like... I, I bend myself in knots trying to sort of justify... Like trying to tell myself I'm wrong.
2: Yeah, I think th- I think I would say on and not to sound annoying, but I think like 90% of the time I'm right. And then I I do try to keep an open mind about the fact that half the time when I meet somebody I'm like I'm fucking tired. Like I'm sorry, I can't be my full self. And like so you don't know what other people are ever experiencing or like I yeah, I don't know. You just you you can't know what people are bringing to something. But generally I do feel like the times that I've told myself like be nice, like, don't, don't make assumptions, and then I'll backpedal. Then, like, three months later, I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> like, I knew, I know that. Yeah. It just
1: makes you go, I guess most people just are shit. <laughs> <laughs> well. Or you really were picking up on something.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe most people are shit. I think most people are crazy, um, and so that ends up manifesting in ways that are weird or selfish.
1: You think most people are crazy?
2: I think everyone's crazy. Um, <laughs> See,
1: I have yeah. gotten in... Not in trouble, but I feel like I've gotten a little bit of blowback for numerous times on this podcast saying that I think everyone could benefit from therapy if it's within your means. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think so too.
2: (laughs) I love therapy. I just, I went back to my therapist yesterday and I was like, (laughs) I love my therapist so much. Um, Do you have a man or woman? I have a man who he's uh i started seeing him like early in like february and then i didn't see him for a while when we were in new york but he's and he's like a 50 year old gay man who i like i realize like he often is like but you and i are similar that way and i'm like we are and now i'm like why is he saying we're similar all the time i don't know i'm like suddenly because i do think we are very i'm i am i'm wondering if he feels that way about all of his clients right or if like because i do feel like we are oddly very similar as people and i'm wondering if he's like picking up on that too but Mm -hmm. i love him i think he's so smart and um in and, and and it's not the kind of therapy where I sit down and I'm like, I can't believe Lyft drivers. Like it's more just like
1: <laughs> Is that like stand-up uh, comedy therapy? <laughs> yeah, just, just
2: how people are like, and today my muffin. And like I'd rather <laughs> I don't know, I come down and I'm like I'm like, I just feel like I should be this and he's like, should let's break down should and then I'm like, oh right, everything falls to the side and, and, and like it's always about like pathology you're the, don't pathologize things and it's mm-hmm. a very it's like a zin. He's very like, you're already whole accept that consider the what's beautiful about being complicated stuff like that
1: he sounds so comforting
2: he really is but he doesn't like he's also kind of like mm, every time i like <laughs> say something that's like, <laughs> like you can't get away with that um, but uh but then i i so but i like with childhood i don't know i i had a really my parents are really they're both funny fun uh, they're, they have like a joie de vivre to them mm-hmm. and we were explorers.
1: Sarah Violet, have you met them? And is this accurate? Yes. Um, <laughs> did you <laughs> sense <laughs> a joie de vivre? <laughs> Oh yes.
3: Both of them for sure. I mean, I, I'm always just blown away that your mom is a flight attendant because I'm like that just takes so much energy. I can't believe it. Um, yeah, they both are like very charismatic and diff- very different ways. Yeah. Our moms are pretty similar, weirdly. Selfless. Yeah. Selfless, (laughs) loving moms. Yeah. Southern. (laughs) Yeah. Southern bells.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Southern bell mothers. Um,
1: I feel like I kind of cut you off. uh, You were saying that your parents both were fun and funny and had a joie de vivre.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, my dad is like, I think he's a, a kind of a genius. My dad is like a really intense polar person. He's a really... Unexplainable person uh, and very unknowable. Um, like his inner life is epic and unknowable, and I've just like come to terms with that, mm-hmm. <laughs> or with uh, with understanding that that there's something unknowable about him. And um, and Would then
1: other people say that about him too.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's got this like grand charisma. They're older, so like some things are changing as you know they change and get older. But like he has this like very big charisma that people really put their faith in him and really trust him and then he really wants people to feel safe in his hands. And what does he do? Oh sorry, you are doctor. He, alternative. Yeah, answer, yeah. yeah. And it's definitely like a messiah scenario. Mm-hmm. Um and I as I've grown older and realized that, like I'm I i do not want to judge that because it does authentically come from a uh, a place of wanting to help and save. And so but then like there's extensions of that that made it like really complicated to be the son of that because I he's, bet, yeah. Cause if you and cause if you have a messiah complex, you want to save the world and that's an impossible feat. And so you set yourself up for failure. And so the shadow side of that is like, uh, severe. And so, like, I definitely feel like I was, I had a really polar. Experience as the son of somebody who's both extremely joyful and, um, savory and also like, uh, has such a temper like such an extreme temper but whatever like it, it's all comes from like a good place in the fact that everyone's crazy because existence is impossible um, and so um and so yeah but then i went to college in austin and um they my, my parents i always were into me being creative from the beginning and always my dad would always say like you can have any toy as long as it's creative <laughs> and um that's like a cool way to distill that they were super supportive of me from the beginning and um, getting it yeah I went to college in Austin and that was like a finding myself period but I always knew that that I was so aware at the time I was like okay I find myself now and then I go later and I do the real thing <laughs> and I would like drive around campus at night high and be like well, I'm gonna fucking leave this place one day and I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna finally make movies And
1: <laughs> I'm impressed that you could drive high because oh. I could uh, I
2: can't anymore yeah, I don't I think only, I realized I couldn't drive high.
1: I think I only tried it once, also in college, and I was just driving from like one parking lot on campus to another. It's horrible. But I realized, oh, I can't do this. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I think we should <clears throat> excuse me, do just mirror everyone in a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys something. <clears throat> I want to tell you about Blue Apron. You might have heard of Blue Apron before? They're super famous and well known and beloved. I love them. Uh, it takes all the guesswork, all the hassle out of cooking. So they send you everything you need to make a delicious home cooked meal, and all the ingredients are pre proportioned, so you don't do that thing where you're like, I want to cook something tonight. You get at your cookbook, you look, and you're like, okay, well now I have to go to the store. I don't know how much to buy of this particular ingredient, so I'm just gonna buy more than I need, and then you have all this leftover wilting parsley or chervil or what have you afterwards. Uh, that doesn't happen with Blue Apron. They send you everything you need. So you can be like your own Rachel Ray or insert favorite, uh, cooking show person in there. Um, and also they send you great heavy cardstock recipe cards that have the, um, recipe bro. Like the, all the steps are broken down with pictures. So whether you're a novice cook or an advanced cook, it's so easy There's convenience and variety, uh, flexibility and everything's high quality. So Blue Apron sends only non GMO ingredients and meat with no added hormones, um, Blue Apron is treating Allison Rosen as your new best friend listeners to their first dinner, a $30 value if you visit blueapron.com slash Allison. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash Allison, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And just for example, a couple recipes this month, sheet pan roasted pork with fall vegetables and creamy maple mustard, uh, creamy tomato pasta with mushrooms and collard greens, Chili butter steaks with lemon, Parmesan, broccoli, and potatoes. Mm-hmm. All right. So just me or everyone is a segment where people write in with things they think or do. And they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? Mm. And then we weigh in. That's fun. <laughs> Sometimes I ponder
0: on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone?
1: Okay. Lisa Lowry says, while I appreciate the gesture, when In and Out opens my straw for me, it weirds me out. Mm. <laughs> How do you feel about this? Yeah, I would prefer a um closed straw. Mm-hmm. I I feel
3: like I there have only been few times where there's I've had a closed straw situation to be, like usually I can pick up the straw from mm-hmm. <laughs> wherever it is. I don't know. They, I, I, I've never I, had someone open the straw
1: for me. Is she talking about.
2: Like just the straw top being yeah, on? Right? Like yeah. Like where
1: when the straw is wearing a hat. Maybe yeah. I'm okay with that act. <laughs> oh, I like when the straw yeah. wearing a
3: hat. Because <laughs> it definitely, they were like, I took care to not touch it. Right. Yeah.
2: Maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the hope.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> the I guess illusion. There's a place, I, I have a childhood memory of like. I feel like the first time I saw that and was like, "Oh!" <laughs> like <I feel> like, <laughs> it's fancy. like it always stuck with oh, me. Oh, clever! <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. support.
1: I must ask you because I commented that I said someone smells really good when we started mm-hmm. the show. Yeah. Charles, you said it was you. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> just drinking it in. Uh, my husband and I stayed in Ohio. Once a few years ago, I love and Ojai. you you smell like OHA. You smell like the specific hotel we stayed in. What is this delicious scent?
2: It could be. Well, this is Lalabo
1: oh. Té Noir
2: mm. twenty nine or something, and um, also I've wearing beard oil, and it's a mix of this organic new uh, treatment oil. Mm. And also, does your beard need treating? Um, I've just gotten really into the way it feels oily. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and um but then i realized that you can i i started putting palo santo oil in the beard oil so mm. that's probably the smell of ojai <laughs> is palo santo
1: okay well i'm into it thanks it's bringing back a, many an ojai memory Of which I actually don't have that many. I I just thought it smelled really good. I think Ohio's nice. Yeah. Uh, Leela Rolling Stone says, sadly, my ultra sparkle manicure will never look as good as it does under the gas pump lights at night or terrible public restroom lighting, which is apparently (laughs) designed to only make glitter look good. Um, I've never, I've never thought this, although I currently have a sparkly manicure. It's, it felt very off brand for me, but I, I'm determined to convince people that I'm a festive person. <laughs> so I did it just by getting a manicure. Um, but now I feel like I'm going to have to go to somewhere with shitty lighting and see if it really is dazzling.
3: Yeah, I don't, I get manicures weekly, and that has never occurred to me that the bad lighting is good for the manicures. Right.
1: Mm. I know that when we were. Um, it's just you. <laughs> 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 I know when we were ring shopping, the guy kept saying to like, Take, put like put your ring, um, like under the the console, like away from the fluorescent or away from the sh- the lighting in the store, because mm. that was you're supposed to be able to see the sparkle better that way or something. Oh, yeah. maybe that's it. A- I don't know. Um, wait. So you get <laughs> weekly manicures? Yeah. Do you get weekly gel manicures or regular? no? No. Okay. No, regular. I I don't like gel because I
3: like to get a weekly manicure. Like I like the getting the. I need a new one. <laughs> um, I like to have my change it up. hands maintained and change it up and all that stuff.
1: John J. Launder says, would the phrase like white on rice be considered offensive?
2: What is white on rice supposed to, like literally what is it supposed to, just the fact that rice is white uh, or is that like a ricing process?
1: Do you mean, it's what like, does it, what does it mean? It's like, what does it mean? It's like, like white on rice. Like, mean like, like stink on shit. Right. Isn't that the other one? It's it, it means, means like the, these so two like things come the, together. The
2: color
4: white.
1: Yeah. On right. Rice. Like these, okay. these are inseparable things. Okay.
4: Okay. Or it can also mean you being really enthusiastic about something. Oh, so you, really? Yeah. You could say, oh man, I love that. I was, I was on it like white on rice.
1: Oh, I didn't, I thought it meant like, like the most inseparable.
4: On, yeah. <laughs> like, I guess that is what like, we're saying. We're saying the same thing. Like ugly on an ape. Like, blue, like blue on black.
1: <laughs> like what? Blue on black. Sure. Um <laughs> We're all too confused. Um, yeah.
2: So I'd say it's racist. Yeah. <laughs> if we're confused, it's not good. It's racist. Like it's because
1: what the alternative could be like brown on rice? If you're yeah, talking if about you're brown eating rice. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, if you're yeah. interested in higher fiber content. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's offensive.
2: I don't think so either. Um
1: But if you want us to, I will.
2: I'm so I'm, I'm
1: so flexible. To <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't
3: know. <laughs> Very flexible with my All point right. well, of like view. I wish that I had idioms, like like a, a library of idioms in my brain. And I like when fun. people do that. I know. John I love Ren- when John people. Reynolds is like the uh, king of it. <laughs> I love like, that. It's so cool. It's um, like so old man. But I don't have the. Jeff <laughs> has
1: plenty of idioms. Yeah, he I like had, those. Uh, yeah, good. What's
4: your favorite? Uh, On it like ugly on an ape. That's a good one. Uh-huh. I <laughs>
3: made, had
0: never heard that. so mean there's i'm
4: on it like stink on a monkey it's a very similar one uh-huh. and i made up one what was it it was Go like ahead. oh i'm on it like crazy on a congressman or something
1: and now i'm potentially taking us into um dangerous territory but because all of a sudden in our discussion of what's of is this offensive or not it reminded me of a scene which i can discuss without spoiling i think um <laughs> although we're close to the show where I feel it. I mean, we're close to the point where it's like, it's on for spoilers. So there's a scene where a character says, I choose to always believe the victim. Yeah. Which was, uh, so topical. I I think accidentally topical.
2: Yeah. It's crazy that so much is accidentally topical this season.
1: Right. But can you talk about, so, so that thing of like, I, again, I feel uncomfortable. I I don't want to, I don't want people to yell at me. Um, but that, (laughs) that thing, uh, I it sent it felt to me like you were lampooning a bit that sort of like I'm virtuous because I only ever can you talk about that?
2: Yeah. Well, so in the context of that though, like the, like Drew and Dory are asked about somebody, uh, being, uh, claiming they were abused and drew says as a man i'd feel i don't have a right to speak about this and dory says i personally always choose to believe the victim and they're trying to avoid further uh mm-hmm. interrogation about that so like for us writing it it was i think what we were lampooning is people who are like so reductive with like really complicated situations which is like really like you hear it's so i feel like i'm listening to so many podcasts especially with like sexual abuse being like such a um a topic right now where like i want to like go fix people's statements and like caveat things like (laughs) as they're like on the radio i'm like yeah but you can only say that if like yeah but and then also like you have to take into her consideration like every like it's like you people just reduce their points of view down and then make them platitudes and that's Mm. so (laughs) like dangerous um because that's cause people only have like so much capacity for so much complication and then mm-hmm. and then
1: especially when they're talking about it in media. Right. But also yeah. also argue, po- probably in real life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um yeah, and
3: she they, they, Dory's like abusing that whole reductive thing in that right. moment to co-opting she, it. yeah, co-opting it to to like make make the person interviewing her to feel like how dare you when it's like uh, she's up uh, sh- there there's a lot of compl- like, if you haven't seen the scene like, like, there's a lot of complicated things going right. on um and she's you know very intentionally abusing that that um thing and that's messed up dory it's also
2: like, <laughs> did you read the like john oliver thing that no happened. i haven't
3: i haven't I've
2: saw i only that read like line. um i read like the i didn't read like a transcript of it but it, you like, talking
1: about what, where he used something dustin hoffman <laughs> yeah me, like, I've he only turned seen a Q&A. Like, yeah, yeah yeah
2: he turned like a q a about wag the dog it's like a 30th year i mean i think i think it's fun. like the only thing that's funny is that it's like all oh, these people came to see wag the dog and then it like was not that um and and like he wouldn't let dustin hoffman get away with like really simple kind of like avoiding the question mm-hmm. answers and some of and like it, i do like i almost always believe that people are guilty um especially m- men um great <laughs> men and so like it, it's weird because i'm like reading it i don't really love i mean john oliver's personality a little goes a long way for me <laughs> and so like i like it was i was reading this being like oh man like i i do believe dustin Hoffman. Like sexually harassed this woman. And then Dustin Hoffman says, like, you weren't there. You don't know. Um, she's not representing me right. And then I'm like, well, who am I to say that that's, that that's not, that, that, that he isn't right? I mean, like, I really have no idea what happened. I'm just envisioning something and my own prejudices are informing my opinion. And then John Oliver's like, yeah, but you can't say that when you represent blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, John Oliver's right. And it's just like, <laughs> a, it's like a play by play of being like, oh man, it's like everyone brings their own baggage to this and makes. Um, assumptions based on like their own ideologies and stuff.
1: I feel like what you're, what you're talking about that sort of instantly identifying with each person and then just like feeling crushed under the futility of ever under, I'm now putting words in your mouth, No, ever understanding someone's point, like knowing who's, who's right when it is something that's so multifaceted. Um, It sounds like I'm going somewhere really great with this and it's (laughs) it's really going to peter out right now. Um, But I feel like that's reflect like enough of that. And you end up with search party. Yes, yeah, yes, I'd say that's true. Definitely.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, we we definitely like like to, you know, circle around these kind of dangerous things and um see the different points of views of every mm. every character and
1: It's but- complicated. Yeah. So um the character I don't think this is spoiling much. I just want (laughs) to add a little context to to the scene that we're talking about. Um, The character that goes missing uh, gives an interview where she claims she was abused. Mm -hmm. Once she's found. And she's lying about what happened. Um, And Dory and Drew are really concerned about this article coming out. Because they're involved in this whole thing. And they're really worried that like, oh no... Um oh oh sorry I should have explained no I I messed up the article <laughs> someone the guy who writes the article says that he thinks she's lying about what happened and mm-hmm. they're worried about the truth coming out but it turns out that no one believes the article and instead they all get really mad at the writer for having questioned someone's claims of abuse right yeah um but, and that sort of also felt a bit like what, what a parody or a statement or Mm-hmm. Was it probably? That's both. A definitely
3: a statement. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's um, like people. I guess, or like satire, everyone, yeah. What I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, like they, everyone in that situation is selfish. Like like uh, Chantal wants to like have this glorified victim thing and uh Julian wants to be the like guy who doesn't get any bullshit taken out of whatever and then Dory and Drew are trying to cover up the horrible thing that they did and uh no one kind of like wins in the situation. Just
2: irony. Yeah. I think that's kind of like what it comes down (laughs) Mm -hmm. to is that like this whole time you're like, oh God, it's gonna come out and then you realize like, oh what you've been watching is like this man's career unravel because of taking this point of view rather than it have anything to do with the thing that you're tense about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Mary says, cannot handle how badly I want to lint roll someone whose dark clothing is covered in fuzz. I feel like this is like subtweeting me, even though I don't think it's about (laughs) me at all. I just (sighs) tend to wear dark colors and I'm covered in fuzz. Um, I don't have that, but I know that my husband has that towards me. Hmm. I don't have that,
3: uh, but the other day I was wearing all dark clothing, and I was like, oh, God, there's all this weird stuff stuck. Um, I hope I'm not offending anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Having
2: a dog with white hair oh, yeah. makes it, uh, like, I always have hair on me. And I it kind of
3: sucks. I have shame about my own hair sticking to my sweaters that I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, trying to, like, get my, my stupid strands off of my hair.
2: <laughs> But I never feel like lint rolling other people. Yeah.
1: yeah. me neither. Um Yeah, so our my dog sheds all over the place, and I don't normally feel when I think about it, I feel weird. Like, oh, it's guests are coming in all the time and there's dog hair everywhere. And then Bob Saget and this I'm name dropping, did he's like, There's dog hair everywhere. But he said it in a really loving kind and like <laughs> yeah, accepting a way. Bob Saget way. But yeah, but I keep thinking about it. It's like <sighs> He did say it. It's one of the, like on paper, it's so much more harsh (laughs) than the way he said it, which is like a celebration of it. (laughs) Um, Okay, Eric Olson says, and this is the last JMO, when I was a kid, I thought the line in Hark the Herald Angels Sing was, God damn sinners reconciled. <laughs> I figured that if they were sinners pre-reconciliation, then of course they'd be- been damned by God. Nana wasn't thrilled. Okay, so what is the line? Oh my God, Nana Hark- wasn't thrilled. <laughs> Hark the Herald Angels Sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, but good will, mercy, will to men.
2: Mild. Oh.
1: Yeah, so wait, where's the goddamn sinners reconciled? God and sinners
0: reconciled. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: God and
1: sinners. Right. Why would God wait, be what's, reconciled? What's, what was his? It was. Oh,
2: God and sinners reconcile like a reconciliation between God yeah. and sinners.
1: Like they both came to the table. Yeah, everyone <laughs> met each other halfway. <laughs> um. Yeah, I have not had that, but there's plenty of weird lyrical stuff that I've always had wrong mm-hmm. all the years. Also, I only realized a couple years ago maybe a year ago that um, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus.
2: It was disgusting.
1: <laughs> well, <clears throat> that Santa Claus it's is the, the dad. dad. I never yeah. realized that I yeah. always, it was always weird to me that she was like sneaking in a romantic moment with Santa Claus. Yeah. I never realized that.
2: It's weird that that's like the cover for what the true, it's weird that it's like actually a song about like people having sex, but then to like make it cute. It's about mom like kissing santa which is worse like and that children have to believe <laughs> you the think weirder that the
1: kids saw sex though or just the well, beginning it, of but everything
2: everything of that time period was innuendo you know yeah what I mean? like it, it is like a sexy flirty uh, moment uh, yeah
3: it, it's just like the nature of the song is to is like flirt like <laughs> it. it's like sexy and i'm like stop I'm yeah like, what are you <laughs> like,
2: and the kids being sexy about it it's like from yeah. the voice of the kid yeah it's like don't be sexy <laughs>
1: i agree with everything you're saying um you guys i'm on patreon patreon.com slash allison rosen is where you go different reward levels you can get bonus episodes you can get access to an exclusive interactive uh video stream with me sometimes with guests i might do a tour of my apartment um even though it's it's kind of a mess and there's all sorts of embarrassing shit lying around, but I might, I don't know. Also, there's a level where you get merch in the mail. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go for that. Um, okay. So I now want to ask a, a couple questions that will potentially have spoilers in them. So for anyone that is going to turn it off now, before we do that, why don't you guys um, tell people where they can find you, plug whatever you want to plug, etc. Where you can find me. Like on Twitter, <laughs> if you want to plug your Twitter. Um, your address. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, your home
3: address. <laughs> your coordinates. My Twitter is SVBliss. My Instagram is also SVBliss.
2: Um, yeah, my Twitter Instagram's Instagram is GCharlesRogers.
3: That's it, right? Yeah. And then I don't um, have a website. I do
2: but don't doesn't matter you yeah. don't have to visit it
3: and they <laughs> should watch Google. search party of course yeah right. watch, search party. watch search party I guess watch Fort Tilden <laughs> yeah yeah
2: <laughs> um and search parties on the TBS app or tbs.com yeah. perfect and or iTunes, a million other iTunes yeah, and iTunes, Amazon and, Amazon all the other platforms
1: is Fort Tilden on Amazon yes, yes. okay I will put a link to it it's in not the on everything but summary. Netflix yeah gotcha um follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen if you like what you're hearing if you'd like what you're hearing. uh subscribe itunes.com slash allison rosen is where you go subscribe rate review tell your friends all of that stuff jeff where do we find you
4: you can find me on facebook and twitter at colonel jeff fox
1: okay all right so now there will potentially be spoilers we're going to talk openly about the episode sorry jeff i think you're screwed if you haven't already seen it that's right
0: (laughs)
4: luckily i have no short-term memory anymore so it'll just go through me like poop through a goose
0: Ooh, that's oh that's a good one too. <laughs> thank you thank you poop a goose. Okay. and
4: uh by the time i watch it it'll all be new to me
1: all right wow. <laughs> um okay well so actually this question doesn't necessarily have a spoiler and it's just more more detail oriented um cults come up mm-hmm. in season one and season two mm-hmm. uh who's who who is fascinated with cults? we both are yeah we both are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're both
3: fascinated with um sociopaths and cult like behavior and both in terms of like the cult leader and the cult followers yeah <laughs> the yeah. types of people that um, are attracted to that stuff mm-hmm. and
2: how like uh, smaller more casual versions of it exists in daily life oh, and yeah. all all structure is a, you know a yes. cult
1: <laughs> um When, Charles, when you were talking about your dad, it made me think a little bit of the J.D. Plus character. Mm. Um.
2: That's funny. (laughs) Um.
1: (laughs) Well, just in terms, sorry, you specifically said cult of personality. Yeah. So that's what (laughs) my, I didn't mean to say that. I don't, they're not the same.
2: That's funny. Uh, No, that's not so much my dad. Um, (laughs) This sounds so bad i love my father so much Uh, (laughs) um uh seeing um the master was like i was like oh my god philip seymour hoffman is like such a real version of my father and my dad is not l ron hubbard at all but like just that like there is a philosophy that will help us all if we can all participate in it and if you are against that philosophy it could uh, be detrimental to like health and survival, and um, you cannot, and that's mm-hmm. kind of like the like and like f- fits of uh, temper, like coming from that point of view. The J. Duplass character is more of like a wily coyote, yeah. like he's more of a loner. Of I don't think he has like an overall philosophy. I think he's more just like interested in how far people can go and what his um, power, like just a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think he's a little bit manic too. So I think it's a sort of like a moment by moment agenda with him. And mm-hmm. I think he just finds the people that will respond to him. And then he just lets the cards fall as they do and sees and sees what happens.
1: Right. Um, in that interview that I mentioned before that it was with paste magazine that I was watching, um, <clears throat> you were talking about when, when you're writing, getting into these like very existential conversations about what the show is like, well, we can't do that because then the show is ultimately about this and that's not what it's about. Right. Um, can you give an example of what something like that is and like, and also what to you, the show is. Hmm. Sorry, that was real. Wait, can you tell
2: me the thing about uh, what the examples part again? Sorry to make you repeat.
1: And, um, What's an example of something that was discussed where it's like, oh, we can't do that because if that happens, then ultimately the show is about this?
3: Uh huh. Oh, it's so complicated. It's like, it's, it's like, really hard
2: to talk. That's a big spoiler, really.
3: Spoiler, but also like a spoiler of like stuff that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but it's hard to like, like, oh it's so hard to say without going into a whole long I think philosophy the, the, <laughs> right <laughs>
0: yeah the
2: easiest thing to to i like the uh, the greatest challenge of this season was the fact that the first season reveals dory as an unreliable narrator mm-hmm. and i don't know like we didn't really have examples of other things where like once you've established that your lead is an unreliable narrator then A whole new season happens (laughs) you know it's really and then it's like well what does it mean if she's somebody who deludes and um and invents and believes in that and and the lines are so blurred between fact and fiction for her how do you continue to advance a storyline um and does everything have to service that it just was a very like getting in our heads about that um when you
1: say it's revealed that she's an unreliable narrator do you mean because she was so off about chantal
2: yes and that the first season is a mystery where there is no mystery and so the Mm -hmm. like pulling out the rug of the first season was like um this whole time you the viewer were like going on this journey with her but um you were just as wrong as her and so that's a really um really hard line to thread needle to thread for a second season and that's where like the genre elements took over mm-hmm. and, and and that is like denial is always like the biggest um personality trait for dory and like defining characteristic but um but it's it, it can't be a device in the same ways um mm-hmm. or at least like it has to evolve and so that was just a hard thing to figure out and we just like took two days off to like debate like the true meaning of the show and like, you know, how many seasons do we imagine this show is and what will it mean at the end of it? Yeah. And it was just like oh crazy turned into like a, a war room of of <laughs> like if, like what are we even talk like meanwhile like North Korea, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just like all these people in a room being like, But Dory
0: <laughs> <It was, like, laughs>
1: Are the two of you usually on the same page? Um Mostly. Mostly, yeah. We there are definitely
3: like uh disagreements but then that always i like it's always like what's best for the show but we're pretty much always on the same
0: page yeah yeah
1: I feel like I'm asking you to like like I'm I'm asking a magician how do you do your trick so don't answer this if you don't want but well,
3: it's, fine. it's it's just that it's hard to answer sometimes but yeah <laughs> like, well, really I I'd have
1: to like, I was like asking do you to... two days of
3: of <laughs> a podcast to explain no, I know
2: right. or like twenty minutes of explaining a an bit and then me like and so anyway none of that ended up in the show right yeah
1: yeah <laughs> um but what you said that you spent a lot of time trying to figure out what ultimately the show is or is about. Can you say what you, what you decided it was?
2: (sighs) I think it's changing for me. I mean, yeah, I think the overall, the, yeah, the, this season two is about something different than season one is, but at the heart of it, I still think it's a show about, um, how you make your own meaning in life. And that, that is like, that is, um, a demand of life and also like a fool's errand. And so that's sort of like, it's all about how, um, you know, finding yourself is uh, impossible, but also like our greatest task.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Do you feel like that's how they got into this mess because they were pursuing meaning? I guess that is. Yeah,
2: for sure. Yeah. in different ways and all the characters are different facets of that experience mm-hmm. but dory is definitely like the leader of that sentiment
1: right mm-hmm. yeah
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then now i guess this season is really it's this i don't know that's a, it's, a, it's a spoiler but I, I think distilling this season down it's really about
1: this being the third of the second
2: the second um it's really about the denial <clears throat> excuse me um the <laughs> the denial of puberty um <laughs> the, the denial uh like Shades of denial in the wake of um, trauma that you're responsible for, mm-hmm. and how that manifests in different ways, and how that's still servicing this overall story about people who are trying to create meaning in their lives um, through force, mm-hmm. and now that that force is starting to take its own life, and 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 um, they're no longer in control of of that journey.
1: Right. Was writing season two more or less or neither difficult than season one because i know john early was saying that playing season you know he felt tense like he took home a lot of the stuff for season two and also um now i forget if he said it or if if i asked about it but like doesn't really have real world experience to draw on in terms of having potentially been involved in yeah murder right spoiler um. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
3: spoiler. I would say season two was the hardest thing I've ever had to write. <laughs> um. Which was um, like literally, it, it was like season one was the hardest thing I've ever had to do, and then season two was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. It was kind of like we had mastered this genre of how to write a mystery when there's no mystery, and then season mm-hmm. two wasn't that, and so what, yeah. we didn't have practice for what we had just figured out how to do. What we did, what we ha- did learn and take to season two is uh, like thinking about how the audience responds to um tropes and mm. how you, I don't like this word, but manipulate the audience, you know, to like uh, go in one direction. Um, <clears throat> in terms of like red herring type stuff, or the, like in terms of like this is how when you when you like end a scene with this kind of um out uh that makes like i'm trying to think of an example in season one like
2: like with chantal yeah
3: like with chantal like she she runs out the window so that means that she's in trouble you know Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. that's what it feels like um and that's what when you see like yeah Mm -hmm. these shorthand things that like because there's such a history of cinema right people have learned to watch movies and tv in a certain kind of way and we're using that Mm -hmm. as uh, to our power (laughs) um where was i going with this what was the original question oh (laughs) writing season two um but writing season two was just a whole new thing and um and we had like a lot of those existential talks that that were extremely important but also um long and um <laughs> and exhausting. Yeah. exhausting and um and we were doing a different genre so we were again like beginners um and uh, well, season yeah. one is a,
1: <clears throat> a mystery where there isn't a mystery right. what is season two how to get away with murder mm-hmm. um I think or it's, can you get away with
3: murder like and a thriller. Thriller, yeah. yeah.
2: It's a thriller but um yeah, it's a thriller, but also like internal like internal, uh, like navigating like the internal like repercussions of, of like murdering someone or doing mm. something traumatic at the same time.
3: Yeah, so there, there's like the genre and then also the like inner turmoil that the characters are like in season one. No one really has too much inner turmoil. Like Dory is like searching for herself you know like that's the like and then this is like we are in denial and we're also trying to get away with it and Mm -hmm. like like a bunch of um new things added to the characters psyches um and and also having them have to make bad decisions was was it was literally like a lot of the trouble of it was like well that would be stupid to do that like if we all it's like what I would do is I would do this, and so like we're all arguing about what we would do in certain situations, yeah. and that was like confusing. Anyway, but it was but it was.
2: And avoid like sorry.
3: No, no, no. It's good. It was good. I don't have.
2: Well, the like the realistic thing would be to like avoid the situation. Like once you've like. You know, right? Once you've killed someone, you like never go back to you. Don't touch it on any existential level,
1: right? They're like, like they have to be uh, obelisk. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of like creating reasons, (laughs) like,
2: like, yeah, yeah, that 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 make you be like, come on, but you're like, oh, I get it, like, but still, like, it's infuriating that they would make those choices. And Mm -hmm. it was debating like, well, would would Drew do that? Would Drew drive out to a field like that? Ended up being like a bunch of emails about that. (laughs) Yeah, you know,
3: um, yeah, a lot of like. The, the, yeah, I forgot that that was a huge challenge. Is like making them active because what you would mm. do is just like
0: be inactive. Yeah, you yeah. would be
3: like, "I mm. we'll have to do everything
1: except for
0: that
3: thing." Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. but yeah,
1: it is interesting how much you, as the audience, or me as as the audience of me, but I think probably everyone roots for them. It's almost mm-hmm. like that Breaking Bad thing mm-hmm. where. I, i forget who it was it was probably the creator who was like you're not supposed to be rooting for him (laughs) walter white um but like with with you know the character of her name's april right Mm -hmm. yes like get out of there and and yet she's like on the trail of well she's very flawed too but (laughs) she's i mean they did do something awful right yeah
2: yeah she's justified yeah everyone's justified
1: and everyone's not justified
2: (laughs) enjoy the police officer it's also we wanted to play with like really liking this police officer and the idea that like well she (laughs) is doing the right thing like do i side with her or do i side with these friends that i'm that i've like grown to feel familiar with who are in the wrong like Mm -hmm. that's all and and also like the in the wrong is is great too like it is it was Murder, but it was also self defense, but it was also delusion, but it was also miscommunication. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and it was also so fast. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, it's not clear. And people on Twitter, too, like, the, the, there was someone tweeting at me that, like, the fact that he had pinned her down on the ground meant that he was um, someone who, like, should have died. And it's like, okay, well, that's another side of this, I yes.
1: guess, you know? <laughs> um, I've had that nightmare before where in the nightmare, I, it's always like it happened previous, previously in my dream or something where, but <laughs> right. it's like, oh my God, I murdered someone. Mm-hmm. Is that something that, I don't know if that's a re, is a com, I imagine that probably is a common dream. Um, have you guys ever had that or is this, is this just, um, an, uh, like a manifestation of a feeling or is actually, do you get my question that was yeah. not, yeah. I just barfed words oh. at you no i didn't
3: i haven't i don't i'm sure i have had i've definitely had dreams where i've done something wrong like bad and it's all my fault or but i can't think of like specifically like i killed someone um but i we know of like i know of people who have done bad things you know and they Mm -hmm. they literally just are like yeah i did that anyway Mm. uh like they have they have they have to move on and they have to love themselves in order to keep Mm. living um Mm. despite some horrible things that they might have done and how how they cope with that is um fascinating the human psyche is fascinating Mm. yeah
2: i definitely feel like a, a thing i really identify with is like um the feeling of like oh no one can find out what I'm really made of like mm-hmm. that's like I think and I th- I think that's probably like a little universal and I think that's partly like feeling um like you need to hide your shadow side and that you know I probably that's like a growing up in the closet and also like um <laughs> when I, I've told this, I don't want to tell the whole story because it's too long, but like, I've told this in ass cats before, but like, when I was oh like, God. um, six, I like vandalized the bathroom ran- What'd you do? randomly. <laughs> I like peed everywhere and I put like pa- paper towels <laughs> everywhere and just like destroyed put toilet paper in the. In the toilets, <laughs> very,
1: very creative vandalism really, Was it a school bathroom or a public school
2: bathroom? bathroom. <laughs> and I was, and it was like the defining moment of my existence at that time. And and it became this like witch hunt, and like at chapel it was an Episcopalian school, and like at chapel, like there was like the whole school came together, and the principal was like, "We will find who did the bathroom mess." Wow. I do remember being like, "And this is the moment you never show yourself again." Like I remember feeling that
0: way. So I what,
3: had I had an opposite Experience where I was at a slumber party, and there are like 11 girls, and one of them, not me, <laughs> um, uh, like like had an accident in the night and there was like dirty underwear and for some reason one of the parents this is like insane but one of the parents was like who says this and everyone so it was so weird like especially now as an adult being like what the hell was she thinking like just right. throw the underwear yeah. away and let them- <laughs> no one's gonna be like where's my dirty underwear yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine sorry <laughs> um but i was accused. cute everyone- <laughs> me oh. and i to this day i'm like it wasn't, me! <laughs> it wasn't me and i think i know who it was and i was sleeping next to her oh. <laughs> like but it wasn't me it was like because i had been i went to bed or i always fall asleep the earliest mm-hmm. and then people would do mean things to me when i was yeah, like oh. no it wasn't like that but it was just right. like they would put shaving cream on her like i wasn't bullied but i would but like because that's what happens hijinks um And like, I got upset or whatever. And so they're like, she's like upset. (laughs) It's like, it's her. It's
1: her. I'm like, it wasn't. (laughs)
3: What's <laughs> wasn't upset about that. I just had shaving cream in my hair.
1: <laughs> I got unfairly blamed for a fart in fourth grade. Oh, because no. Because they asked me, do you smell that? And I didn't smell anything. Mm-hmm. Because I thought whoever smelt it dealt it. Uh-huh. So I thought... I, I I literally didn't smell anything, but I thought I was fine. But this saying, is, right. no. they were using
2: opposite logic. Yeah, they
1: you. decided you can't smell your own fart. They had changed the fart logic. Yeah. I was unaware. Well,
4: it sounds like they were going with the argument of she who denies it is the one who supplies it.
1: I think uh, so. Yeah. I didn't, I was acting idiom. Yeah. under the wrong fart law. It was like <laughs> fart McCarthyism. There was a lot of like, do you smell that? Do you, like they asked me repeatedly, do you smell that? And I kept saying, no, I didn't catch on fast. Um, <laughs> and so then it was determined that I supplied it. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone was like, so I just remember these like, it was in fourth grade, and I remember kids with their head on their desk, like covering their heads with their cardigans, being like, "Oh, Allison, gross! Uh, can you crack a window?" Uh. I don't know where the teacher was at this point, <laughs> but and so I, like you, Sarah, yeah. I'm like, "It wasn't! I swear it wasn't me! <laughs> it was not my fart! Like it was someone in here!" And they were like, <laughs> I bet it was the guy who was grilling
2: me, Taylor.
1: Yeah. I bet it was his fart. <laughs> yeah,
2: probably. Or anyway, the teacher? Where was the teacher?
3: It was probably the teacher. This yeah. is all fascinating. Uh, yeah yeah <laughs>
1: yeah so um what ultimately happened with your vandalized bathroom and the teacher
2: <clears throat> i went home and i was like talking i probably probably i would love to see a video of me like as a six-year-old like just like over talking about it and my parents being like okay like sounds like it's you and just being like and then everyone and then and then and my dad is just so weird my dad my dad sounds insane from this podcast he's an incredible person but he it was so weird but he was like i think he like could figure out that i had done it and he was like but i think he like just didn't i think that i feel like they were like he probably did it but who cares and they were like my dad was like put your finger on this spot and, and hold it there and keep it still and if you can keep it still you didn't do the bathroom mess and i did that and I held it still. And then he was like, "I, oh, you didn't do it. And it's That's so, so weird. It's so strange, though. I don't know. It's such a weird thing to do. We were like at like a restaurant. It was, like, it's a alternative placemat. parenting. <laughs> I guess. I mean, there's something like very tense about that. though. Yeah. Um, it's just like, <laughs> let it go. yeah maybe or I don't know what I really don't know I would love to see like a video of the whole thing but I didn't I only told one kid Stanley Petritus and like six months later probably and he was like really you did and I was like no
0: (laughs) you flirted with the truth
2: (laughs) I did and then I was like I didn't like that moment so no I didn't do it I don't like how you reacted you're you're not an ally Um, and it wasn't until like four or five years ago that I started telling people (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> isn't it funny when you have that moment of like oh i don't have to feel shame about this anymore yeah
2: yeah and and that like you didn't you know and I also like i think i was like testing boundaries and and like in the growing up gay too like you do like no i know i know, I don't know why i don't don't know why maybe because i went to therapy yesterday and now i'm I'm thinking about it but i i do feel like energetically as a kid and i know that this is this is universal it's not just a gay thing but like like as a kid like you can energetically feel little things and it's like oh i'm different i'm not right and so i'm gonna test the boundaries and that's what it was but Mm -hmm. i didn't think of it as that i thought of it as like I don't know why I did that. I was out of control and now I have to hide myself. (laughs) You know, like it's like, you're not able to process that stuff. But, um, yeah, and who cares? Right. I bet she still. I bet the principal still thinks about it. And she, the principal, emails with my mom to this day because they're really good friends, which really raised the stakes. Really? And she just emailed with my mom, and it's just like, and Charles is such a good boy. Like she always like says, "I'm such a good boy." Like uh-huh. in every email, like, and, like, I know <laughs> she's I really
1: like, playing the long game. <laughs> I don't
2: think she ever thought it was me because she loved my mom so much, mm-hmm. and so that and so it's just weird that they still email and like she's just like and he's a good boy like it's like the themes are still going (laughs) in my life
1: i feel like that has got to just come with the territory with little boys
2: i think so too i mean the squid and the whale do you remember how Mm -hmm. that kid would just like wipe his cum on books (laughs) in that movie like to defy his parents divorce like it's just like weird animal impulses that like you don't really understand
1: i actually i my son is 10 months Um, and when I, for some reason, I just always thought I was going to have a daughter. Um, I don't know why, probably because I had a sister. I don't know. Um, I also have older brothers, but, um, yeah, just for some reason, both my husband and I were so sure we were going to have a girl. And then when I found out I was having a boy, I started thinking like, I do not know how I'm going to deal with all of that gross boy puberty (laughs) teenage stuff. It is gross. (laughs) Yeah. And it's unavoidable. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'm, I mean, I love every thing that he does now so I'm sure I will feel that way about it then too but right. a little bit I'm like I don't it's one thing to have a baby I don't know how to have a preteen or a teenager
2: but even babies like get boners all the time too it's so weird <laughs> yeah like, you just like have this baby with a boner and right. it's, it's like, oh.
1: <laughs> but it's but I just it's weird it's so outside of anything sexual it's just like oh he he's about to pee right yeah to me it's just a warning right,
2: right right he's about to
1: pee get a get a diaper on fast 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 go
2: boners are always warnings i think, <laughs> I,
0: don't think that, I don't think that ever
1: goes away that's true <laughs> um sarah violet and charles it was so nice having you guys on the show thank you thank, thank you, so, you. It was so nice
0: being here yeah.
1: <laughs> everyone go out and uh binge this show if you haven't already i think i'm about to watch it again
0: oh yeah
1: mm-hmm, uh thank you guys again listen oh jeff where do we find you
4: uh, you find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox.
1: Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show?
2: We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best friend.